0: Hey, Cloudcast community, listen up. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform. Datadog was built to bring clarity to complex, dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, on-prem, in containers, or wherever you run your applications. With powerful dashboards, seamless integrations, and more than 250 technologies they can monitor, Datadog has you covered. Whether it's AWS, Azure, or Google services, your popular open-source projects and products, or web security and APIs, Datadog can help you monitor them and help you collaborate around troubleshooting them, make sure they're running great. Datadog provides deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So try it yourself. Get yourself a free 14-day trial. Go to datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to try out your free 14-day trial. And if you try it out, let them know your friends at cloudcast sent you, and they'll send you a great, uh, wonderful, soft awesome t-shirt with the datadog logo on it i wear mine all the time so once again that's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast thanks for listening and here comes the show cloudcast media presents from the massive studios in raleigh north carolina this is the cloudcast with aaron Delb and brian graceley bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Today's going to be sort of a a unique show. We're going to call it sort of a special edition AWS reInvent show. Uh, I've never really done one of these before, but, uh, you know... For myself, I kind of did some homework the last couple of days. I didn't get a chance to attend the event in Las Vegas. Aaron did. He's still traveling back. Uh, But I kind of did some homework. I had to kind of figure out what were all the things that got announced. Um, So I figured I would take the homework that I had done over the last couple of days uh, and just turn it into a show. So this is going to be a lot of me talking, uh, a lot of me talking. Uh, for a very long time, hopefully it does not go two and a half hours like the normal AWS keynote does. But uh, you know, kind of the way that the Foo Fighters often will bring up a, a kid uh, to play guitar for a song just because somebody's tired or something. I figure this is a good exercise for me to figure out that if for some reason something happened to Andy Jassy during the keynote, if I could just jump up on stage and and do the keynote for him. So. With that, um, you know, I kind of went through all of the announcements uh, from AWS reInvent, kind of categorized them. um, And what we're going to try and do is sort of put them all together, categorize them, do a quick summary of them uh, for the ones that maybe are really important. We'll cover those as well and uh and just kind of provide some insight into what's going on so with that um you know the first thing that i I sort of noticed is i was looking at their roadmap and i was thinking about all the different things that amazon announces i kind of put them into five buckets um and these aren't technology buckets they're sort of like how do they do their roadmap um so if you're trying to figure out hey what might be coming next year or if you work for a vendor or a channel partner or an si or something and you're trying to figure out will amazon compete with me um you know, these are maybe some buckets for you to consider. So I think the first bucket in terms of the roadmap is really kind of the uh, the classic sort of retail approach, which is Amazon saying, hey, we're going to make sure that we have every size, color, shape, and form for any given thing. Um, and I think we've seen that for a long time with things like EC2, uh, you know, all the different sizes and, and uh, formats, uh, some of the databases we see, um, you know, we see that with uh, some of the load balancing technologies that are out there. So that's, that's one bucket. The second bucket, I think, is the one where, because Amazon is able to have some insight into what customers are doing, especially up in the in the, in the public cloud, in the centralized cloud, um, you know, they eventually start to see patterns emerge, and they start to turn those into what I'll call sort of solutions. So customers typically use A, B, and C in certain patterns. Uh, let's turn that into one specific thing, and something like uh, Amazon Aurora uh, with the database where the database gets backed up and the database gets replicated. Uh, people figure out the IOPS to go with the database. Database. Like that's kind of a, an example of a, a solution. The next one is the and this is becoming more of a thing that they're trying to do, is around the customer who says, I want the functionality, but I don't know how much I need or I don't know how to size it. Um, And we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, We see that with databases now. We're seeing that with uh, load balancers. We're seeing that with some of the serverless type of things, maybe not the programming side of serverless, but the, you know, I don't want to run my servers uh, side of serverless, things like Fargate and others. Uh, That's sort of the third bucket of stuff that we see. So, you know, if you make, uh, if you have a technology that, Sounds cool, but it's really hard to size. Um, Amazon's trying to apply some, uh, you know, intelligence, uh, automated intelligence to try and help customers with that and make them not have to uh, provision it up front. Um, the fourth bucket I have is sort of what I'll call the, if I'm a customer, what thing do we hate about the big vendor that we use and pay a lot of money to? So that could be, uh, you know, an Oracle, a Splunk, a VMware, uh, you know, a whoever, right? And I'm not picking on any of those vendors, just sort of grab those because I think they get called out uh, this year. Um, you know, and, and, Amazon will often go, oh, okay, well, you know, we could do a similar type of feature, maybe at a cheaper price point, or maybe it's a, uh, you know, we take the, the problem that everybody hates and we automate it in some way. So you don't have to hate it as much. So that's the fourth bucket. And then the last bucket, and this is beginning to emerge more and more is not a Amazon, the it vendor thing, but, uh, or AWS, the it vendor thing, but sort of Amazon, a company Saying, Hey, we are going to be the first customer of something, of some technology, because we are going to get into that business. And the number of businesses that Amazon obviously is now in way beyond books and, and other things from grocery stores to, uh, to package delivery to um, you know, a lot of different stuff, and I'll put some things in the show notes, um, they often become customer one. And uh, we'll see a few things that get announced this year where it seems pretty obvious that Amazon is sort of customer one of this. And then at some point, Amazon said, oh, well, you know what? Um, there are probably some people that will compete with us in that space, or they are maybe they're in the incumbent, and uh, we do the technology better than they do, and maybe we can start making some money off of them using our services on the back end. So anyways, with that, uh, we're going to go through a lot, a lot of announcements. I think there's over 40 announcements, so um, so buckle in. Hopefully, uh, maybe you're going on a long car ride or something, um, we're going to just kind of go through them, uh, group them into different buckets, and, and maybe you'll like certain buckets and, and other buckets you may not care about. So the first bucket I've got is infrastructure. Structure. And I'm going to run through a lot of these. Some I just hit the announcements and some will kind of get into them. Uh, the first one was the announcement of the uh, GovCloud for U.S. East. I was sort of surprised by this. I actually thought the GovCloud was in U.S. East, sort of around Washington, D.C. It was actually out on the West Coast, uh, but there's now an East Coast GovCloud. Um, something called Route 53.0. For uh, Route Fifty Three resolvers, that's the DNS service for hybrid clouds, and essentially this allows uh, Route Fifty Three DNS to resolve to both things in the what I'll call the centralized cloud, and then we're going to talk about uh, sort of outposts or what are going to be the private cloud uh, or you know uh, on-prem clouds for uh, AWS. So basically, a, a DNS resolver that will help for um, you know multi-cloud environments, so everything doesn't have to be in the centralized AWS cloud. Uh, the next one is what's called AWS Global Accelerator. Think about this as a way to um, use the uh, uh, Content Delivery Network, the CDN, um, in conjunction with uh, the AWS backbone. Um, so just a, a faster way to get traffic that has to be global, um, application and data that has to be global. Uh, it's a more intelligent way of routing it around the globe and getting it there faster. And the last one is what's called AWS Transit Gateways and the simplest way to think about this is if you've used uh, VPCs, VPCs have always been point to point in the past. AWS Transit Gateway is a way to do hub and spoke uh, for VPCs. And again, obviously, this will come into play as we get into um, an announcement that Amazon's going to make called Outpost, which we'll talk about. Um, you're probably now going to think about uh, AWS as sort of the centralized cloud, and then there will be Outposts, which will be the uh, remote clouds, if you will. So the other thing, and I have no absolutely no explanation for this, would love to. Know why. I don't know why some of the services are called AWS blah service and others are called Amazon blah service. So, um, I'm not sure what the thinking is there. I don't know if it's because it originated as Amazon was the original customer, um, or what, what the, the naming logic is. So if some are called Amazon, some are called AWS, I don't know why they're different. All right. Moving on to the compute section. Uh, there are a number of things in the compute area that were uh, announced. First one is EC2 predictive scaling. So Amazon has always had elastic load balancers and application load balancers. Um, they were great ways to do load balancing, but you had to do some tuning. Um, now we're seeing, uh, you know, AI, uh, artificial intelligence uh, applied to EC2 scaling. So sort of not necessarily a replacement for load balancers, but more intelligence around how you're going to scale up um, your, your predictions of, of uh, what you're doing for EC2, for compute instance a couple of new compute instances one was the a1 compute instance which are based on arm uh, processors and the c5n compute instance which are 100 gigabit networking instances so very large uh, for um, you know big uh, big high bandwidth um, use cases and then for the arm use cases as well um ec2 instances can now be hibernated so uh, you know the the A memory state that was in it can sort of be hibernated um, as opposed to just spinning up a new instance. You can sort of get uh, that instance memory state back uh, into somewhere, wherever you need it. Um, Snowball Edge. So the Edge device that uh, originally was just for storage to be able to ship ship storage back up to the cloud, eventually got compute in it, got things like Greengrass to do Lambda, um, now has more compute and more uh, and has GPUs in it. So, um, you know, the on-premise footprint, uh, that can be used for AWS is continuing to expand with, uh, with Snowball. And, um, the next one on the list is something called AWS Firecracker, which is actually an open source project. Um, this is a very, very lightweight VM. It's based on the KVM technology, uh, but it's a very, very lightweight KVM uh, lightweight VM. Um, it's some of the technology that's used for some of the isolation in things like Fargate for isolating containers. Um, this will be an interesting one because again, it's a open source project as opposed to, uh, also being, uh, you know, technology that Amazon uses under the covers. And then finally, in the compute space, um, Amazon announced something that I've mentioned a couple times already called Amazon Outposts. Uh, this is the thing that a lot of people have been wondering about forever: Will Amazon ever build a on-premises or private cloud product? Um, this is a managed instance. Uh, Amazon sells it in two flavors. Um, both of them, you buy the hardware from Amazon, um, not uh, sort of third-party, you know, Dell. Uh, HP, Cisco, Lenovo, you are buying the hardware, server hardware, and storage hardware from Amazon. And it comes in one of two flavors. You can either buy managed uh, Amazon services with uh, Amazon APIs, or you can buy managed uh, VMware, sort of uh, VMware on AWS with VMware APIs. So, um, probably go into more detail on this somewhere in a later episode, because uh, obviously this impacts. Uh, the IT industry in a big way. Uh, but, uh, you know, details around this are very, very thin. N- no pricing details are announced. No availability dates are announced. A uh, number of services that will be available on that hasn't been announced. But, um, you know, definitely something different in terms of Amazon finally, you know, admitting or uh, accepting that there is a marketplace for customers who, you know, have applications that have to run within their own facilities. And there'll be, you know, potentially lots of use cases of this as a as an edge cloud as well. Okay, moving out of compute into storage. Uh, The first on the list for storage was something called AWS DataSync, which is fast and automated data transfer. So think of this as, um, you know, kind of a backup as a service, uh, which will probably eventually evolve into sort of a, a DR as a service type of thing. And you can imagine that this would be something that would definitely be uh, at some point embedded in the Outposts uh, technology. But, um, you know, definitely something where I'm sure Amazon is hearing from customers that, um, you know, they have uh, data on-premises that they want to back up into the cloud, and they would love to, you know, get out of the business of, you know, buying backup appliances and backup software and stuff. So if Amazon could, could embed that technology, uh, that would be great. So that uh, is Amazon data sync. And again, for those of you that are deep in the storage world and want to let me know that, oh, you know, it doesn't do lots of other stuff that other uh, fancy backup things do, that's cool. Um, go dig into the details and figure out which features are there and which ones aren't and figure out which works for you. Um, Next one is a pretty simple thing, uh, managed SFTP service. Um, So for those of you that do a lot of uh, SFTP stuff, uh, having to transfer files, uh, managed service is available from AWS. Um, And then the last one um, seems like a pretty interesting thing that is a concept that's been around the storage industry for a long time. Um, It's S3 cost optimization with automated tiering. So, for anybody who's been around uh, the storage industry for a long time, um, you know, lots of vendors have done this, where they will have uh, like memory, um, SSD disks, and then maybe like you know some cheap and deep um, set of, of disk storage that'll be on like a big storage array, for example, and they'd be able to migrate hot data and cold data and so forth uh, dynamically within the platform. This is, in essence, doing this with S3. The big difference, of course, being. Uh, with s three there are some significant price differences I guess this would be the same with, with SANS as well between sSD and, and disks uh, but it will um, try and do some automatic automated uh, tiering and movement of data between say like s three and and some of the um, you know lower usage um, less frequently accessed. Uh, tiers and then potentially all the way out to Glacier and so forth. So um, just a way for you to continue to keep putting data into S3 and them helping you try and optimize the cost point based on uh, usage and availability. Okay. As we move out of storage, uh, a couple of new announcements that are sort of related to storage in file systems. So Amazon uh, came out with something called FXS, so uh, Frank, uh, Xerox, Sam, FXS uh, for Windows File Server. So managed Windows File Server uh, systems. Being able to, if you don't want to manage those Windows File Servers anymore, uh, Windows Servers, you can now do that through AWS. And also another um, FXS, but this time for Luster, uh, for you know uh, the open source project around search uh, for Luster. Both of those file systems are now available as managed services from AWS. Okay, moving out of file systems and storage into databases. A um, couple of things around DynamoDB. Uh, DynamoDB always was sort of a, a NoSQL type of database, um, huge, uh, you know, NoSQL database. Um, now supports transactions, so this uh, probably a big space where Amazon's going after uh, more and more of the database space for. Uh, for Oracle. And they did a huge talk about, you know, how they had moved themselves uh, off of Oracle databases uh, onto onto um, Amazon DB, which is their own homegrown technology. And then, you know, kind of a lot in Werner's keynote about how uh, they had migrated these transactional databases, Oracle databases over into, uh, into DynamoDB. So DynamoDB now has transactions. DynamoDB also is now an on-demand service. So on-demand in the sense of, you know more and more like we're seeing a lot of the amazon services where um they are more serverless like in terms of you don't have to think about uh planning for iops you don't necessarily have to plan for um you know some of the sharding and other scaling types of parameters um so the on demand uh, nature of that uh, is now available for uh, DynamoDB. db previously it was available for things like aurora db um next one on the list is called amazon forecast uh, which is um, essentially time series forecasting. So some forecasting technology embedded into time series databases. So if you're in the time series database space, um, and you want some additional automation or intelligence built in to help you forecast what might be coming in your time series, that is now an, uh, an available service. And then the last one, and I don't know if this totally fits into databases, but I'm throwing it in here anyways. Um, for the Kinesis service, the streaming service, um, there is now data analytics for Java applications. So if you are a Java developer, maybe you're in the, the, you know, the spring world, spring cloud, spring boot world, um, and maybe you're, using, you're doing streaming services like Kinesis, um, there are now data analytics uh, capabilities for Java applications. All right, moving along. 15 minutes along, we got a little ways to go. Um, in the account management space, so you need to manage your AWS accounts. You want to manage them well. Uh, a bunch of things that were announced. Um, and this is not only just account management, but also kind of think of this as more something that's applicable to uh, enterprise architects and systems architects and so on and so forth. Um, the first one is called AWS Resource Access Manager. And this is all about cross account sharing. So, um, as AWS has managed and mentioned, and for anybody who's really dealt with large. Uh, organizations that that work with AWS, um, in some cases, you're going to have centralized resources and centralized billing and centralized provisioning. In other cases, you're going to have lines of business or groups that will do their own. Um, and in some cases, it made sense to keep them completely isolated because you could let uh, an individual business unit manage their own pricing, you know, their own uh, budget and so forth. Um, but there are going to be some situations where you may want to do some cross sharing. So there is now the ability to within a broader organization and sub organizations to have uh, cross resource sharing uh, using the uh, resource access manager. Um, next thing is in the Amazon marketplace, uh, which has been around for a while, um, now support for private marketplaces and a whole bunch of ability to customize private marketplaces. So you can imagine whether you are an individual organization who wants to have a bunch of your own applications in there, uh, you want to scope it and put your own branding colors and logos on there, or maybe you are a service provider that says, Hey, you know, we want to get out of the facilities business and we just simply want to you know, build on top of AWS. We can use their private marketplaces. So that's available um CloudWatch Log Insight is now a service that's available through CloudWatch Logs. Um I suspect this is one that's sort of going after something like Splunk or some of the other um newer, newer observability type of uh, companies that are out there. So uh, CloudWatch Logs now has deeper insight into what's going on so some analytics around uh, what's happening in your logs. <clears throat> Something called AWS Cloud Maps is now available. Um this is really think of it as kind of blueprinting or mapping visually your applications. So your ability to say this complex set of interconnections and so forth, uh, we can create a map for that and then uh, obviously you'll be able to visualize that and be able to to you know move things around within within those maps and and map things to maps. Um and then finally, the last one was, um, you know, AWS has had this thing for a while called, you know, well-architected, you know, concept called well-architected, and they were kind of trying to teach you best practices. Now there's actually uh, an automated tool that will take your application, which was probably designed If you're trying to design it around the uh, well-architected principles, we'll now look at it and say, okay, how far off are you from what AWS recommends as best practices uh, versus what you may have built and and try and make some recommendations to you. So uh, definitely something that uh, enterprise architects would want to take a look at. And the last one, uh, pretty simple tool, AWS License Manager. It's going to help you with uh, any sort of licensing issues that you may have, Windows licensing, Oracle licensing, and so forth. So again, sort of centralizing that. Um, Amazon trying to take something from you know one of their large competitors, whether it's a Microsoft or Oracle or somebody else, and uh, trying to make that an embedded service that uh, that is there in your Amazon console. All right. So a lot of uh, lower level. Uh, infrastructure things that we just covered, databases, storage, compute, uh, enterprise architect stuff. Now we're going to get into some of the more complicated things. We're going to talk about machine learning. And as would be expected, lots and lots in the machine learning space. So first and foremost, a whole new set of free uh, machine learning training is available now um, for uh, data scientists, programmers, and so forth. All of that is now freely available. Um, The first one that's in the sort of technology space is what's called Amazon Elastic Elastic inference, uh, so Amazon Elastic Inference, which is GPU powered, GPU powered deep learning inference accelerator. So, in essence, what this is is um, Amazon spend a lot of time kind of explaining the, the parts of machine learning and and AI and so forth. This is the <clears throat> you built your model, you want to now go apply it to a set of compute nodes, but maybe you don't really know what compute nodes or how big the compute nodes should be, or you know, did I pick the one that's too big or too small? Uh, this will now do some elastic. Um, some rescaling if you will uh of what instance you pick and, and apply it to your to your model and if your model changes over time uh we'll try and help with that so that sort of fits in the i don't really know what i need category can you help me uh if you will uh the next one and this is a in the list of a lot of things around this technology called SageMaker, which is their way of trying to make machine learning uh simpler for people so the first one is called um, ground truth, SageMaker ground truth. Um, and this is really looking at um, how to build, uh, you know, highly accurate data sets um, and label them. So this is a, you know, instead of manually labeling your data sets, this is trying to help automate labeling your data sets as you're building your, uh, your data models. Uh, the next one in the SageMaker list is something called SageMaker RL, reinforced learning, so um, apparently there are three different types of learning. Uh, there's supervised learning, there's unsupervised learning, and then there's reinforced learning. And so this is a managed service for reinforced learning for AI and machine learning data sets. Um, there was something called Amazon... Uh, Sagemaker Neo, which is a what they call a run once run anywhere type of uh, type of model, so um, for the situation where you have one data set, uh, you get one chance to run that um, but you want to run it anywhere maybe on an edge computing device or some small node um, there's a managed service for that The uh, other thing they did was something called Deep Racer, which is their way of trying to make. Some of the SageMaker reinforced learning things sort of fun. So um, you're able to build programming models around these race cars, these small uh, race cars. And they're going to have some programs that go on throughout the year to look for the best models and so forth, uh, assuming that a lot of this is, is going to be eventually baked into things like automated, uh, highly automated vehicles and autonomous driving and um, things that might help Amazon down the road like uh, you know automated deliveries for Prime and so forth. So DeepRacer is sort of a fun way uh, through, through cars and racing um, to embed some of that SageMaker um, RL technology. Um, uh, next thing is Amazon machine learning, uh, algorithms and models are now available in the marketplace. So there's an ability for people to be able to build models, um, and put them in the marketplace and potentially sell them, um, and, and, you know, things out there. So, uh, lots of stuff around SageMaker, ground truth, RL, deep learning, uh, or <clears throat> deep racer and Neo. And then, uh, the marketplace now has machine learning models as well. So a lot going on in that space not a space that I have a ton of background in. Uh, Go check out our friend um, Sam Charrington's show this week in machine learning. You'll learn a lot from over there. Um, Now, the next category we have is serverless. Obviously, we cover serverless somewhat. uh, What used to be the serverless cache shows, we still sort of blend them into the cloud cache shows now. Um, And obviously, serverless has moved from Lambda as a concept and and a whole ecosystem to a lot of different things that are sort of embedding the concept of serverless, the I don't want to have to, plan for things. I don't want to manage infrastructure. I don't want to think about scaling. Just sort of do those for me, Amazon. So a lot of things in this category. Um, The first one is something called AWS Amplify Console. So if you are somewhat familiar with something like Netlify, which allows you to do continuous deployment and hosting services for modern web applications, so your single uh, web page, single page applications, or um, any of that uh, with serverless backend, um, this is now a service AWS Amplify Console, which I suspect competes with Netlify quite a bit. Um, The next one is um, there's a concept called step functions, which has been around for a couple years now, or at least a year or so, Um, basically is a kind of a blueprinting model for thinking about How do I build the state machines that go with individual functions? Um, In the past, these were always uh, around Lambda, and they're now bringing in additional AWS services that can be incorporated into step functions. So step functions no longer just have to be about Lambda or API Gateway. They can now include other AWS services. So again, um, them very much building an ecosystem for how developers should think about serverless, but recognizing that there will be other services that need to be uh, tightly integrated in order to make certain applications work. Um, in the past, uh, one of the things that, that Amazon did, they bought a, uh, company called cloud nine, which did an IDE, uh, programming IDE. Um, obviously they want to make it easier and easier for people to easily, uh, build serverless applications, Lambda applications in particular. And so they did a bunch of plugins, uh, for popular IDEs around, um, tools to help it make it easier to build serverless Lambda applications. So around PyCharm, IntelliJ and visual, uh, Co- visual studio code, I'll have new plugins for Amazon, uh, to make it easier to, um, to build, la- uh, to build, uh, Lambda functions within the, the language that you, that you love. Um, People ask all the time, you know, when will Lambda support more languages? Um, so they added a bunch of new languages. Uh, Ruby got added. A couple of others got added. And they also built a new framework or a new service that allows you to do a bring your own. So if you and some community people want to get together and build um, some language support for whatever, uh, for Lambda, um, there's now a framework to be able to do that and sort of a bring your own uh, language the other the other concept that they introduced um, was they said a lot of times um, you will want to reuse certain things, certain Lambda functions um, in different applications or throughout your applications. Um, so there's now more of a how to reuse and share uh, functions concept uh, within uh, the Lambda framework and, and programming languages and step functions and so forth. So, again, trying to make it simpler and simpler to be able to build Lambda applications, serverless applications. All right. What else? The last one, and this is the last category and the last part of this show, and we've been going for a while, so hopefully, if you're still listening, that's cool. If not, no problem. Um, The last one is sort of the category that I'll call... Um, Amazon's the first customer, and this is, in my opinion, um, Amazon, the company has decided, Hey, we're getting into some new businesses and we've all seen them getting into lots of different areas. Um, and we are going to have to go build some technology to be successful there. And then over time they realize how maybe we could make this technology more generally available. So the first one, um, and this probably surprised some people, but they also probably thought this is weird for an it show. Um, something called Amazon ground station. Which is a managed satellite ground station service. So, in essence, them going and saying, "Hey, if you have, um, you know, you have satellites and you want to make it simpler to be able to get your data uh, from those satellites back to ground and then be able to have application developers work with those, uh, we will manage those satellites. We will manage the ground stations, and because they have." Lots of physical presences around the world, whether those are POPs or data centers. Um, you know, it allows them to reuse their backbone network. It allows them to reuse potentially uh, land facilities and, and right-of-ways and other things that Amazon already has. So um, I think this is a building block for something else. Uh, some other things that are going on, they announced something called AWS Elemental Media Connect. Obviously, Amazon has been making investments around video as a company for a while. They offer you know, video through Prime. They have you know really popular services like Twitch, um, and there's lots of rumors about them potentially wanting to get more and more into um, certain live things like sports. Obviously, we've seen them, Amazon, the company, do stuff with the NFL and host the Thursday night game on Amazon Prime. Um, there was talk about them bidding for about 22 regional sports networks um, here in the US. Um, you have to imagine those types of things would come up uh, around the world as well. And so if Amazon's offering a, uh, you know, ingest and distribution service for video, and then you, man- you marry that with uh, ground station service with video, um, you know, you have to sort of imagine that this is, you know, those are the, the, the building blocks are already in place for Amazon, the company to start doing things like going after, uh, you know, regional sports or e-games, you know, esports or other types of things that might be live or would benefit from, uh, from video distribution. So those two services are available as managed services. Um, We know that Amazon is trying very hard to be uh, in different parts of the healthcare industry. They're doing it through partnerships. They're uh, beginning to to expand out in that space. They introduced a managed service called Amazon Comprehend Medical, which is uh, natural learning processing for healthcare applications or natural language processing, NLP, uh, natural language processing for healthcare applications. So you can imagine you know, lots of different applications where, um, you know, people want to talk to doctors, people want to talk to nurses. You've got the you know intersection between, um, uh, regular human beings who don't know anything about medical and you've got, uh, doctors who, you know, have to be able to explain things maybe in multiple languages. Um, this obviously is going to become a service that will help uh, translate that transcribe those things. And, uh, you know, you start to get into some very interesting remote medical types of, uh, healthcare situations. um, The next one uh, is something called AWS Robomaker, which is a new service to help develop, test, deploy, manage robotics applications. So uh, at some point when Skynet happens and the robots take over all of our jobs, Amazon wants to make sure that they're part of that as well. Obviously, Amazon does a ton of work with robots in their uh, warehouse and distribution factories. Um, you can imagine other companies around the world are doing more and more with robots. Uh, whatever the application might be, they don't all have to be manufacturing or warehouses. Um, And, uh, you know, Amazon wants to be sort of the central place where people can uh, manage and develop those applications and then influence those standards around that. So RoboMaker is a new service around uh, building robotics applications. And the last one is uh, something that, you know, again, Amazon's done for a very long time. Um, Amazon has has always been world renowned for doing recommendations when you're buying things on Amazon.com. There is now something called Amazon Personalize, which allows uh, recommendation services to be a managed service for uh, for different companies. So you can imagine somebody saying, "Well, you know, if I'm a startup company, I know I want to make recommendations as part of what I do. Be great if I could be able to use a service like Amazon has for retail, for whatever I'm doing. Maybe I'm a dating app, or maybe I'm whatever. Um, you know, you can you can leverage the power of their decades of expertise in doing recommendation engines. So with that, I don't know how many. uh, how many new services I went through. Uh, I tried to classify them for you. Um, I will put some things in the show notes that you can go back and look at all these things. Um, But hopefully this was somewhat useful. Um, I know for me, it was a good homework exercise to try and figure all these things out try and figure out what they are, what they do, um, and uh, hopefully this show has been useful for you. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. As always, folks, thanks for listening. This is sort of a special show on a a Saturday. Um, Thanks for listening, as always, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.